0: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios.
2: And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. Thanks for coming along today for the Thursday edition of The Ride Home. Beautiful day out there, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Yes, we had a lunch outside. We had a rare treat.
3: Yeah. We got to eat with our uh, producer, Christy Stockton.
2: Mm It was a rare treat. First time, actually.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I was wondering, I was concerned that I would chew with my mouth open or pick up food from the floor or like one of the other, like things we talked about in the air yesterday, which is like- None of that happened. None of those things happened, but that was the flag for like instantly judging somebody. Right. And
2: and There was really not a lot of pressure for us. I would say more so for our producer, Christy. Like she was
3: going to be chewing with her mouth open.
2: Were you a little leery walking into this?
3: I wasn't sure.
4: Mm It was, you know, it was a little- a nervous.
2: What was on the agenda? Yeah, there was no agenda. Sadly,
4: it was exactly like it is from four to six live weekdays. Yeah. yeah, got that.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, really, we didn't dig too deep, did we?
4: No, I was like, are they going to like fire me or something?
3: Fire I, I you? wasn't sure like, going to fire. You. I thought I
2: was going to get fired. <laughs>
3: I thought I was going to get fired. <laughs> what? So at least we all went into it with yeah okay. similar viewpoint.
2: Boy, what an anxious, nervous wreck we are. We Don't had it? a
3: good lunch at Vincent's in Greentree. Which is a lovely An place. absolutely underrated restaurant in Pittsburgh. Yeah. They've been so solid throughout COVID. I mean, I eat there every Friday. But I would just like to tell the listening audience in no uncertain terms that the amount of food that was brought to our table was
4: a little ridiculous. A little much, yeah. They they brought up a second table. If <laughs> if everybody was wondering, they brought us a second table. And it's yeah. just the
3: three of us, <laughs> yeah. right? They
4: didn't bring us a second drink
3: or another napkin. They brought us they another table. table. Yeah,
2: they did. Uh, and our waitress. It's good to go back. To I love place our waitress, except I don't know her name. It's, I not feel badly I don't if she's
3: listening place. right now. I just want to say we think you're lovely, but we don't know your name. But
2: do you feel the need to call your your server by their name?
3: I think that's a very I nice. Don't. No,
2: As a former server, I don't want people to know my name. What What's the deal there? Hey, hey, John. Well, like you, they're
5: going to come find you?
2: No. I, if I'm giving good service, seriously, my name is un, not necessary. It's not part of the program. What about being friendly? I'm being friendly. I'm being congenial. But I don't need to exchange names with people. Hi, I'm John. No, I don't think... That's kind of weird to me. Don't you think that's weird? I
4: don't think it's weird. Christy, Christy do you think that's weird? I, I, I never like when people call their servers by their Thank name. You. Thank it, it's you. It's weird.
2: Again, she's again, in my corner here. I
4: said this already today. <laughs> I feel I like Christy's sorry. taken
3: his side a little <laughs> so too much no, the right she home. She just has good sense. Yeah, that's what I was afraid <laughs> that's of. That's all. She's, she's just, taking a drink of my water bottle, which her is her. leaking today. My water bottle, which I've had for a very long time, leaked all over Christy's clock. Sorry. I, I, want, right. I want to say I'm sorry again.
2: Okay, I, I, that's a good question for our listeners. Do you prefer to call, And you, know, you go to a restaurant. Do you want to call your waiter? Hey, Susan. I
3: don't mean the first time like you you go to a restaurant the first time and some guy comes over and you're like hey Jake like I'm not doing that but we've had the same waitress probably fifteen times. We
2: haven't seen her in two years.
3: So it, it would be nice they, to say hey Susan hey Phyllis, good to see I you. you. Yeah or like why well, I haven't seen you in a long time, Joan.
2: I don't think so. <laughs> do you wanna... I have problem remembering people the names that I work with. I'm Kathy Evans. Okay. Let, hey buddy.
3: Kev. That's,
2: Kev <laughs> <laughs> Exactly Kevin Poor Kev. I mean, it's just too much. It's too... Why does everybody have to be so familiar all the time?
3: What? See, what you want say solution. Should we call her ma'am? No. Oh, is that more appropriate? Fine. Ma'am's fine. But
2: someone's going to, you know, do their job and bring me a salad. I don't have to be like their best friend. I would like to be their friend. It's too, it's over the top. It's a weird mix here. Okay. Anyway, let's get involved in the news of the day. It's a weird mix. It is. Kath, as we always do, give us the top four. The top four at four.
3: That's a strange (laughs) lead-in.
2: Okay, Kath. Give me my Parmesan.
3: (laughs) Thursday, September 30th. Okay. 2021 and may you also be brought a second table today. Number one. A former Facebook employee says tens of thousands of pages of internal company research she has provided to the SEC prove Facebook is lying to the public and their investors about the effectiveness of its campaign to eradicate hate, violence, and misinformation from its platforms. According to CBS News, that former employee, who anonymously filed the complaints with federal authorities against Facebook last month, will reveal her identity and speak her mind in an interview airing Sunday night on 60 Minutes. The former employee says the documents prove the company knows its algorithms amplify polarizing and hateful content, adding that societies around the world are being torn apart partly because of the social media company. Profit outweighs safety on Facebook, according to the former employee. Number two. Teen use of electronic cigarettes fell sharply in 2021, the second consecutive year of big declines, according to the government's annual National Youth Tobacco Survey. The New York Times reports today that 11.3 percent of high school students say they currently vape, down from 19.5 percent in 2020 and strikingly lower than the 27.5 percent reported in 2019. Even with the drop, though, the survey found that more than 2 million high school and middle school students were currently using e-cigarettes, which came on the market back in the early 2000s, promoted as devices designed to give smokers the nicotine fix they craved without the carcinogens that come from burning cigarettes. But, of course, they began to catch on with teenagers who had never smoked. Once it like they were trying to give up cigarettes, they just never tried it. And in 2018, the FDA warned of an epidemic of vaping among teenagers who were becoming addicted to nicotine through e-cigarettes. Number three, the city of Pittsburgh doing a new thing, looking to team up with professional designers or a pair of manufacturers to create officially licensed and branded Pittsburgh merchandise. Would you buy some? No. Merchandise could include t-shirts, hats, and more, officials said in an announcement from Mayor Bill Peduto's office. The city issued a request for proposals for designers and apparel manufacturers who can submit their stuff online. The city's considering partnering with multiple companies and encouraging local companies who already market Pittsburgh-themed merchandise. But here's the thing. If it's going to be official, it's going to have a tag or a decal on it that declares it official merchandise to distinguish it from other Pittsburgh-themed stuff because they're following in the path of New York City, which sells officially licensed merchandise. John, you happy about that? No. Number four. And if you are despondent over the state of the Steelers, and who isn't? If you're in the middle of a six-year emotional downward spiral with the Pirates, and if you can't believe number 71 is missing the first two months of the Penn season... Let me introduce you to the Pitt Lady Panthers volleyball team, which is ranked number three in the nation. Nice. Pitt was bumped up from number four last week. They are undefeated with ranked wins over Washington State, Baylor, BYU, and Rice. Experts credit their balanced offense led by Chenaza maybe? Chenaza Nadi That's a guess at how to pronounce her name. And Kayla, and Kayla Lund. And that, my friends, is your top four at four. Very nice. Isn't that great news about the Pitt volleyball I team?
2: love it. I like watching women's volleyball. I like
3: watching any volleyball. Yeah, me too. I I really do. I think it's a great game. Super athletic. I I heard uh, about the ranking on the radio, Mm -hmm. just a little blip today, and I thought, I want to look into that more. Do you know I could hardly find anything online about it? I mean, there is so little information about NCAA women's volleyball online. So
2: even Pitt PR is not uh, pushing it. I was I was surprised that there wasn't more there.
3: I had to to dig a little deep to get it. I was happy to do it.
2: Can you go and watch a game if you're not a student or a faculty member? it would be fun to I do. I know that. you
3: have to wear a mask inside, and I know that there are spectators. I'm just not sure if there can be spectators who aren't students. Right. Let's see, it's a good question. I don't know.
2: All righty, we'll take a quick Wait, break. I got
3: a question for you okay. before we take a quick break. Right. Do you know why the city's colors are black and gold? I don't mean pit lady panthers. I mean going back to like the pit official merchandise. Thing.
2: Uh, I think it goes way back to the 20s, and. Um, uh, what is the reasoning behind that? It is,
3: does go back to the twenties. How do you know that?
2: I think nineteen twenty-five. How do true? you know that? It's Just exactly the I've year. Read. Um,
3: That's exactly the year.
2: Is it have something You're to do with sick. the um, the flag of the city of Pittsburgh? Or, uh, I'm not sure there. They come shaky.
3: from the coat of arms of Sir coat William of Pitt. There you go. They're also inspired by the city flag and the great seal, using the colors to spark civic pride. Hit the button. Very nice. How do you know stuff I like that? Know.
2: I am your server, William Pitt, and here's your calzone. Enjoy your meal.
6: 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. Are you a minister of the word of
7: God? And I want to just leave three thoughts in your heart about the ministry of the Word of God. What would you do and what should you do if you want to be a minister of the Word of God and you don't have to be an ordained minister? It's a message to every man and woman that names the name of Jesus.
6: Hear Adrian Rogers' series, The Bible, The Book of the Ages, this month on Love Worth Finding Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD.
7: Is it time to push reset and get away with God? Christian travel creates purposeful pauses to discover the most scenic, sought-after destinations while you immerse yourself in the wonder of God's creation. As you travel alongside the world's top Christian leaders, every step of the way will revive your faith and awaken your sense of wonder. Imagine morning devotions on the deck of a cruise ship as you pass towering Alaska glaciers or tropical Caribbean islands. Perhaps you're longing to set foot in the very places where Jesus walked and taught in Israel. Every day on a Christian cruise or tour brings you to new vistas while you enjoy uplifting music and powerful messages. Get away with God in a faith-focused journey, and the unforgettable memories you create will refresh you long after you return home. For more information, visit inspirationcruises.com or call 800-247-1899. That's inspirationcruises.com or call 800-247-1899.
8: May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives, and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel, and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus, and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League and Word FM have teamed up to send God's Word to 5,000 Bibleless believers around the world. Our campaign is called The World Needs the Word. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800 E S W O 800-YES-WORD, or give at wordfm.com.
9: Word FM presents our 15th annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon, 12 p.m. Tuesday, October 19th at the Doubletree by Hilton in Greentree. A free event open to all senior and associate pastors and their spouses. Come experience a day of gratitude, fellowship, and encouragement. Tuesday, October 19th, featuring keynote speaker Pastor Jack Graham, host of PowerPoint, heard daily on this station. Doors open at 1030 a.m. Reservations are required. To attend, reserve your free tickets
2: now at wordfm.com slash pastors. past Sunday, the governor of New York, the new governor of New York, mm-hmm. made a impassioned plea at a uh, church in Brooklyn where she basically said, hey, I want the, I have the vaccine, you should get the vaccine, and as God's people, it is the right thing to no, do.
3: I, no, I think she said, I don't mean to correct you, right. but since you've corrected me so much in the beginning of the show, All I right. feel like it's Go certainly ahead. about time. She said that she thought everybody in the room with her, they were the smart people. Right. They, they had the all smart. gotten the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So she was encouraging them not to get it, but to be her apostles. Uh, the apostles. To go out vaccine. and get other people to get the vaccine.
2: All right. So the vaccine. She also I mean,
3: said she, she knew that the reason why God had decided that some should live from COVID and some should die through COVID. She knew. She knew.
2: All right. Yeah. Well. Which is a lot. Uh, it's a very contentious thing, right? Vaccines and masks, uh, we've been talking about that nonstop. Sure. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry's the host of the new podcast called Meeting of Minds. He is author of The Maker Versus the Takers, What Jesus Really Said About Social Justice and Economics, here today to talk to us about vaccines. Hey, Jerry.
10: Hey, John and Kathy, how are you?
2: Good, how are you doing? Okay.
10: <laughs> not. I'm not okay. Just yeah. hearing that story, I'm already not okay. I right, know. exactly. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just a vaccine, right. right? It's not a sacrament, nor is it some kind of devil juice. Um, I mean, can we just have a sane conversation, yes. no. a sane medical conversation about seem... a medical question? Yeah. It okay. Cannot. So
3: what you're saying with the plea that you are making is just that we would look at, at the vaccine as a vaccine instead of yes. as some kind of like metaphor or some kind of cultural indicator of us being in one group or one camp or another.
10: Right, Right, a tribal marker. Remember last week we talked about the book of Galatians. We've got all those tribal markers and now apparently this one's a tribal marker too because everything's a tribal marker. When people don't have a well-grounded identity, then they have to form an identity. And so we're going to form identities around these tribal markers. What's frustrating to me is Christians already have an identity. Mm. We don't need another one. We don't need a we're the smart ones, we get vaccinated or we're the ones who have discernment and we know that it's the mark of the beast. We don't need other identities. We're able to just be Christians, to accept the forgiveness in Jesus, to amend our lives and then to look at a medical question unclouded with all of this stuff about having to be a certain kind of person or having to be a certain part of of a tribe. Rene Girard said this is really interesting. People people say that we we developed um, that we stopped burning witches because we developed science. And Gerard said, "No, we developed science because we stopped burning witches. Mm -hmm. That the gospel got us out of the crazy, you know, purity spirals and fights over everything and superstition, and then we could just look at scientific questions as scientific questions. So, can we just evaluate this as a vaccine? The purpose of a vaccine." is to decrease the probability of getting a disease that you don't already have without getting too many say side effects without the cost of it being higher than the you know than the benefit now i'm i'm not an epidemiologist i'm not a biochemist i'm not going to tell you i don't have the expertise to tell you that but as a theologian i have the expertise to tell you that that's what kind of question it is it's not a religious question it's not it's not a it's not a who you are in christ question that's already settled It's what Christians in the past would call a
2: prudential question. Mm -hmm. It's prudence.
10: It's hands-on wisdom.
2: Right, But then, Jerry, why has, from many pulpits across this country, this become a central issue for believers?
10: Because I think, you know, Jesus said, go out there and disciple the nations. But that's not really what's happening mostly that I see. Mostly the nations are discipling us. And so, nation is ethne; it's it's you know ethnic group, but that's really a tribal identity. So, what's happening is whatever group we're kind of part of naturally. Like if you if you're urban and you've got a master's degree, there's certain like preset things you're supposed to believe. And yeah. if you're rural and you know you, you're a high school graduate, and certain preset. Now, I know there's people who are exceptions to all that, but there's this demographic stuff, and we're part of these groups. And so, instead of going to Christ and saying, Christ, I want to be like you and imitating Christ, and then going out there and taking Christ to our tribe. Instead, increasingly, we take our tribe into the church and try to evangelize Mm -hmm. the rest of the church based on things that really aren't core Christian issues, like, for example, whether to get a vaccination or not. Right,
3: which is what the governor of New York did on Sunday, right? I mean, from her perspective or from people who are in leadership in the church's perspective, it was a good thing because she was going to come into the church and she was gonna tell people the right thing to do so that all the people could be right and do the right thing, right? Yes,
10: and right, so if she wanted to go there and just do a public service announcement, I got vaccinated, I think you should too. Okay, I'm not sure that belongs in the pulpit, in fact, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. But you know, sometimes ministers will ha- let people stand up and you know sure. do announcements. But that's not what she said. She said, "Go out and be my apostles." That's blasphemy, mm-hmm. really. I mean, honestly, that's blasphemous to do that. By the way, I speak as someone who got vaccinated. I remember my family's vaccinated, so I'm not anti-vaccine. But I didn't think that I was receiving a sacrament, and by saying that, I don't think I'm being an apostle on behalf of the great needle, um, you know that saves us from our uncleanness. Um, that's that. See, and, and that's what happens that's when good. you don't have God. You then you have these religions that are completely scientific, um, and so now They are we, just weird. Have- they just end up being weird. And they don't convince anybody. You hear something like that. I mean, when I hear something like that, I kind of have a reaction like, gee, I wish I hadn't gotten the vaccine. I don't want to make her happy, um, you know, which is a kind of crazy thing. And it lasts about three seconds with me. And then I'm back to, all right, it's a it's a medical question. And that's, you know, a commentary I recently did for the Salem stations says that what I'm seeing is the harder the ruling class pushes on this, the more people push back. So this shaming about vaccinations I think is kind of driving people to not get them. And I had a friend who had a, a company that sold, sold chotskys on you know various kinds of items. And one of them was t-shirts. And he had a t-shirt and on it, there was a Confederate flag. And on the back, it said, just cause you told me not to. Mm. Um, and so wow. I, I, I wouldn't wear a Confederate flag. That's wow. not a cause I'm sympathetic with. Um, Slavery and rebellion against the Union. But people kind of went towards that just because someone told them not to. And the more that they do that, like just today, it's announced that YouTube is going to start taking down Mm -hmm. anti-vax videos. Now, I've seen some of these videos and they're crazy nuts. but we're not infants it's our job we we ha- what we have to do is learn to be discerning and we're not going to learn to be discerning if they essentially like toddler proof the house of youtube so we don't see anything that questions the vaccine ideology and in fact this this stuff is going to multiply the conspiracy theories they're going to look and do the connections with the yarn in the garage and okay here's youtube and here's bill gates and here's the illuminati it's it's not going to make things better what's going to make things better is Everybody makes their case. You make your decision and then you live with the consequences of your decision and learn from that. Right. That's how people go from being children to being grown ups.
2: Okay. So we are living with the consequences, right? We're not going to reach herd immunity in this country. Most likely we still, even well, by us having this conversation right now, Jerry, you know, there are people on their phones or out their laptops. They're typing hate towards us and saying, yeah. listen, right. you guys, you know, this is the mark of the devil, this vaccine. And you know, you guys are part of the problem and that's where we are in the country.
0: Well,
10: sure. But it's it's not the mark of the devil. Uh, I mean, even if you believe that there's going to be microchips with 666s in them, there aren't any microchips with 666s in this vaccine. It'd be a pretty easy thing to find. You know, it's out there in a lot of a lot of doctors offices. You can look in the microscope. Is there a little microchip in there? No, there isn't a little microchip in there. Um, And by the way, wouldn't have to go on the forehead. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So it's not rational. Um, The one that I'm seeing a lot of is that it has dead it has aborted babies in it right so i did a two part series for christian post in which i said look i'm not saying get the vaccine or not i'm just saying i i want to know the truth let's you know let's ninth commandment this thing um does it have dead babies in it and dead or dead baby cells and it doesn't so so you know the actual facts are you know they're not that remotely it there was an abortion in 1973 that is an abomination to God, in my opinion. I think it's a horrible thing. So they took some of that tissue, and then they made clones of it. And then they made clones, and then they made clones. And then they've done that for 60 years. Um, And so thousands of generations of clones later, some of those clones were used indirectly in some of the research having to do with the vaccines. Now, if you object to that, that's fine. That's a theological discussion we can have. I think that it's not what goes into a man that makes him defiled. It's what comes out. So I don't think that 2,000 generations ago, an abortion, which is an evil thing, that that taints this clone of the 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 clone, clone. more times than I can say, so that using a vaccine, remember that those clones aren't in the vaccine. It's that the knowledge is in the vaccine from those. Uh, That's a moral question we can have, but let's at least get the facts right. There's no dead baby parts in these vaccines. We should stop saying it. Um, And we shouldn't pass it around just, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to share this YouTube video on social media and without checking it out and finding out if it's true. And it's not.
3: Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry's host of the new podcast, Meeting of the Minds. He's also the author of a terrific book called The Maker Versus the Takers, what Jesus really said about social justice and economics. Jerry, that brings to mind um, something that I see a lot that I just, you know, there are just some things that just sit with you the wrong way they just kind of that you think about them you think i can't believe we've come to this point point. one of the things that really gets me in that place is when i read people who are talking about the word research now so we <laughs> I, 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 so we get an email just for an example uh yesterday or the day before or something talking about john and my attitude in our conversation about the vaccine and of course as part of that which is like every other email we've gotten about this do your research. I'm not sure how that word research has become boiled down to just going online and looking at websites you like that tell you what you already believe. I mean, that's the antithesis of what actual research is. It's like, I, I don't, I'm on like a one woman crusade to reclaim the word. I don't, I don't know how we've gotten here. Jer.
10: I, I see it all the time. You do your research or I'll even say, show me the research. And it's a copy and paste of some guy on YouTube. Right. And then, so I'll ask. No, that's not research. That's someone giving. That's an opinionator, um, who's you know who's serving a market. I mean, people monetize these. I mean, th- you can really grow uh, your YouTube presence by pushing this stuff. There's no doubt about it. You can make good money doing it. So to me, research is not that's not some guy on YouTube, not a headline from a publication that's in your favorite. Uh, an algorithm se- shows this to this to you because the algorithm knows you want it. That's not research. If if the great algorithm in the sky says here put, and puts it in front of you in your social media feed, that didn't take any effort. You're just receiving what it knows in advance you want. It doesn't mean reading headlines. It doesn't even mean, to me, it doesn't mean reading the articles. It means looking in the article where it mentions a study, and then the study will be blue if there's a link. And then you click on the study and then at the very least the study will have a two or three paragraph um abstract at the very least read that if you i wouldn't call that research i would call that maybe some study research would be then you click and you go down and you look at the data that's research um and that's not what people are doing and what they're calling research and i can tell you that every time one of these theories comes across my social media where someone says do your research and i say okay give it to me show me what i'm supposed to look at Some guy on YouTube, click on this, click on this, click on this. When I get down to the bottom of it, the actual data doesn't, has so far never backed up what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Now, I I can't chase it all down because I've got a day job. We can't be chasing this stuff down all the time. But how many times do we chase it down before we say, you know, we've got a broken thought process here, which is basically, they they say research, but what it really is is gossip. Mm -hmm. That's all. It's just gossip. It's passing along what they heard.
2: Right. Okay, Jerry, we need to take a quick break, but you have a final sort of capstone on the idea of vaccines and where we are in America. Uh, oh my
10: God. What am I opening myself up to? Um, <laughs> it's since, because there's so many disputes about the facts, whether there should be or not, there are, because there's so much confusion. Christians should not judge other Christians for getting it or for not getting it. Because at this, when you have this level of confusion about the basic facts it's it's no it's the moral questions become obscured, so of course, if the vaccine saves lives, of course Christians would get it, and of course, if the vaccine has the microchip in it and it's going to kill you because you know because it's poison, well then of course you wouldn't so applying Christian moral principles involves knowing Christian moral principles but also knowing the basic facts of the matter, and we don't know the basic facts of the matter, and we don't have trusted sources, therefore we need to give each other we need to give each other leeway because the person who's on the other side believes different things about this than you do because somebody they trust told them different things and once you take that into account then i think just give everyone some room and treat it as meat sacrifice to idols you feel that way about it my conscience says this god bless you
2: be at peace amen you didn't up yourself up to anything We'll see. (laughs) John
3: Hall at Word FM. (laughs) (laughs) FM.
2: (laughs) We need to step away for just a minute. Hey, have you ever read anything that's been so vile or so disgusting or just inflamed you so much you think that book needs to be banned? Well, it's Banned Book Week. And we'll talk about that with Jerry
11: next. How much do you have saved for retirement? Now, cut that number in half. That's the impact inflation could have on your retirement. Have you thought about that and how it will affect your retirement plans? If not, you should. Recently, inflation's been over 5%, but even at the historical average of 3%, the value of your savings could be cut in half in 20 years. So, what can you do? Start by getting a free booklet from Kurt Konotick at Accurate Solutions Group. It will help you understand how inflation could impact you and show you simple ways to prepare for it. To get your copy of this free booklet from Kurt Konotick and the Accurate Solutions Group team, Call or text INFLATION to 412-515-3555. That's INFLATION to 412-515-3555. Inflation, you can't stop it, but you may be able to minimize its impact on your retirement. Poll or text inflation to 412-515-3555. Firm offers insurance services, investment advisory services are offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm. This is
3: Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting The Ride Home. Everything that we do in the office is to provide a comforting feel to you and your family.
9: Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care.
3: We do value the time that you spend at our
12: office, and we understand that you don't have hours and hours because lives are crazy nowadays.
3: But we want to really make sure that the time you're spending with us is efficient and
5: effective and works for you as an individual.
9: Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. McQueen Building Company.
7: Nobody should have to pay for one-size-fits-all insurance coverage. Liberty Mutual customizes your car and home insurance so you only pay for what
11: you need.
12: Liberty, 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 Liberty. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh.
0: Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we'd love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. She could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the Word Pittsburgh skill. And after she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the Word Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station?
12: That's easy. Word 101.5.
6: Clear skies expected for tonight. We'll reach a nighttime low of 45. Plenty of sunshine for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 70. Patchy clouds tomorrow night with a low of 47. Saturday, we'll see a blend of sun and clouds. A beautiful start to the weekend. We'll reach a high Saturday of 76. Sunday will be overcast with a couple of showers. We'll reach a high Sunday of 72. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
2: Well, the ancient Chinese did it. Greeks did it. Here in America, we've been doing it since the Puritans. That is the burning or banning of books. Jerry, ban book week. Uh, does it mean anything?
10: Well, it's one of those publicity things. Um, and it's one of those things where um, we congratulate can...
3: ourselves on being open minded.
10: Exactly. We, we do. We congratulate ourselves on being open minded. Um, and we can dump on people who aren't. And, and we can play the role of a victim. Um, and of, of course, the, the weird thing about that is, is if you look at the banned book list, you can go down to your local bookstore and not only are the books there, but there will be a prominent yeah. display. There'll be, here's the banned books by the banned books. Here yeah. they are dangerous, um, dangerous, right? But what was that? What was that old set? Banned in Boston. That's how you sold a book. You say, because Boston uh. used to be very puritanical. You say banned in Boston and then people want it. The problem is that they don't say anything about the Bible. I've looked at the banned books um, list um, you know, previous years and they don't mention the most banned book of all, which is the Bible, which means that's the really dangerous one. The really dangerous one is the one that's so banned you don't even get to acknowledge the fact that it's banned um, because that is an admission of its power. So that's – I just find that kind of interesting that there's a whole bunch of trans, pro-trans books um, and critical race theory books on the banned list when we're inundated by that stuff. I mean, Amazon's pushing that all the time. I mean, it's not my reading pattern, and yet Amazon keeps shoving it into my face. So there's got to be some algorithm that's pushing that out there. It's the, These are the very opposite of banned.
3: So Fahrenheit 451 um, is the book that we, of course, it, for any of us who've read it, it comes to your mind when you're thinking about banned books. Um, now, you've done something that I have not done since I was 14, and that is read the book. Now, I barely barely remembered the plot of the book. But I was impressed when I read your article, Jerry, because you gave details of it that I literally do not remember. So in case anyone out there is like me, doesn't remember details of the book, there are a couple of very important ones that seem to be left out of recent cinematic versions of the book.
10: Yeah, we, I, so you read it 10 years ago, and that's good. <laughs> um, I, I, um, I was a child bred. <laughs> so I, I've read it more recently. Um, and I think that it's really fascinating. The book is cited a lot, it's one of the, and, and the American Library Association and their banned book crowd, they talk about it a lot. They talk about this book. But they haven't read you know, it either. I don't think they have read it. Um, and they have, you know, Ray Bradbury Awards. He's the, he's the one who wrote it. Ray Bradbury was a kind of, was a Christian kind of, look, it's generational. He's Christian Buddhist. That's what he called himself. Um, so I love he, this. But he was, he was very influenced by the Bible and seemed to basically have something like a, a Christian faith or Christian affirmation, if a bit muddled. Um, And it's interesting in the story, the main character, Montag, um, the book that awakens him, the first book he goes to that makes him realize that we shouldn't be burning these books is the Bible. That's his awakening book. Um, And then later, he talks to his wife and he tries to awaken her and he reads from Matthew Arnold's poem, Dover Beach, which is a poem about the loss of faith. It's, it's about how, um, you know, about how Europe had lost its Christian faith and was beginning to fall into violence and ignorant armies clash by night is a famous line from the play. And while he's doing that, excuse me, from the, uh, from the poem, and while he's doing that, jet planes are going overhead and there's some war going on and nobody knows anything about it. So it's about, this is a book about how the lack of faith, is leading to the destruction of society. And then later Montag escapes. I'm just not a spoiler, but the books from you know the 1950s. Um, he escapes and he goes and finds a colony of people who've memorized books and he meets someone who's memorized the book of Luke. Now in the 1960s, they made a movie out of that and they took all the Bible stuff out. They took out the fact that he, that he read the Bible. When, when books are being burned, there's a whole bunch of existentialism and atheist stuff that's being burned. Uh, they took out the Dover Beach conversation and they took out the memorization of the Gospel of Luke. Okay, so that's in the 1960s. Recently, HBO rebooted it. And this is amazing. In this reboot... They don't mention the Bible as banned. The chief book burner is giving a speech to students and he recommends that they read the Bible. That's one of the few books that are That and Moby Dick, I think, are what those are a couple of those are the only books really that are worth reading. So they've completely inverted the story. It's like they took Bradbury's book and tore out a page and burned it and then made (laughs) made what was rest left into a screenplay. And that's how much afraid they are of the word of God, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So cancel culture doesn't scare me. Cancel culture tells me that they're scared.
3: Yeah, that's really good. Jerry Boyers with us. We need to step aside. When we come back, Jerry, I want to delve a little more deeply into books. We don't often talk about books that shaped you, the books that make you who you are. So in these uh, seconds, while you're waiting in the commercial break, I want to ask you that question. What are the books that you feel like made you who you are? We'll talk about it next. Right home. 101.5
12: WORD Dr. Michael Youssef
0: The best friend is the one who knows how to comfort you when you need comfort how to bring you under conviction when you sin how to pray for you when you can't pray for yourself because of this reason Jesus said I'll give you the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of every believer.
12: Make plans to join us this week on Leading the Way.
6: Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5
9: WORD. I think it's
13: fascinating
6: how resilient French fries are.
13: I hadn't cleaned out my poor car in years, and so I decided to do it from the trunk to under the seats. I found five different types of balls, enough junk to challenge Mary Poppins' magical bag, and a good start at a French fry museum. It's Ryan, and if you tried to turn all the stuff hidden in my car into cash, you'd undoubtedly owe money. But luckily for most of us, it's quite the opposite when it comes to looking inside our homes. Home values have gone fly a kite high for many, meaning if you look under those seats, there's a good chance you could pull out a significant chunk of money from the new value in your home to use for whatever you wanted. And with current mortgage rates being where they are, oftentimes you can lower the years on the overall loan or lower your monthly payment at the same time you're doing a cash-out refinance. If you're curious about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage.
4: We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. United Mortgage
2: Court, Melville, New York, MLS number 1330, Department of Banking, Mortgage Lender, License number 22672. Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on MyPillow mattress toppers, towels, and so much more. For example, Mike is offering a buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. Enter promo code WORD or call 800 391 0954. For these great specials, that's 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD.
14: For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com.
9: Pastor, reserve your free tickets now for the 15th annual Word FM Pastor Appreciation Luncheon, 12 p.m. Tuesday, October 19th at the Doubletree by Hilton in Greentree. Senior and associate pastors and their spouses are invited to experience this day of gratitude, fellowship, and encouragement. Tuesday, October 19th, featuring keynote speaker Pastor Jack Graham, host of PowerPoint, heard daily on this station. Doors open at 1030 a.m. Reservations are required. Your free tickets are available now at wordfm.com pastors.
2: Okay, so you go into someone's house and you look at their bookcase. It's a good lit- litmus test on who that person is. We it? love
3: that. When John and I go to people's houses, we, like, everybody, everybody else is like, talking to people and eating food reading? and we're like, in the corner peeking at what they're reading.
2: Yeah, Jared. So, I
3: would, love that because that, it's a window into that person's deepest self to me. Yeah,
2: how they choose to spend their time, what they're feeding on intellectually.
3: Exactly, what's what's going on inside. Right,
2: so Jared, we kind of put you on the spot here. But, you know, you're a reader. What about those books that you loved? Books that formed you as you grew up?
10: Wow, that's that's really tough. Um, because it's so hard to
13: Narrow boil it down. It down. Right? Yeah.
2: Because reading has formed me a lot mm-hmm. during my whole life. How did that happen? Wait, so tell the story. Because I, I take my reading back to my aunt, who used to lay in bed and read to me. Was there someone in your life? Was it your mom or your dad or a teacher who said you need to read and read well. My pop-up, my grandfather, who kind of raised me, uh, my dad left.
10: um, So we were a broken family. That was uh, kind of unusual at the time. So my mom and I lived with my grandmother and grandfather, my paternal grandmother and grandfather, which Hmm. is kind of unusual. So my mom lived with my dad. My mom and I lived with my dad's mom and dad. Uh, And my pop-up was a voracious reader. He was... A couple of things. One, he he had a job as a as a machinist um, for Bethlehem Steel, um, but he also owned his own small business, a bar. And I kind of grew up around there. But whenever he had any free time, he was reading. And so I was imitating him. So I was reading. Now, he gave me kid books to read uh, Tom Swift books and other science books. He gave me science and science fiction. So I loved a lot of that and biographies of, of scientists um my then my grandfather passed away when I was about 13 years old and I inherited his library and he was a socialist and an atheist wow so I got all his socialist atheist (laughs) good for you (laughs) so I read them um and so I I read a lot of Karl Marx and I read later on Herbert Marcuse and um and uh, Bertrand Russell why Mm -hmm. I'm not a Christian yeah very formative book for me and uh, you know I was sort of brought up in and around the church but I was never really convinced of anything I was just around it so I read these atheists, and I went to the minister, and I said, "I don't believe in God anymore." He said, "Well, why not?" And I said, "Well, why should I?" All right? And he said, "Well, doesn't your mom believe in God? You know, in God, or your dad believe in God?" And I said, "Well, it's not that's not it's not passed on, you know. This is about sixteen when I had this conversation. It's not inherited. So, and he didn't have answers. So, I I, I left um, the faith to the degree that I was in it, and read a lot of Marxism and a lot of atheism. Everyone's talking about critical theory and critical race yeah, theory. Sure. I was a cri- I was a teenage critical race theorist um and so that's that's my horror movie so and, and it caused me to ask questions then i started to read a lot of thomas aquinas this is in high school okay uh, this is what i did instead of going to class i just went to the library went to the great book section blew yeah. off all my classes and read aquinas and and um aristotle um and augustine and freud
3: and are those uh, and the ones that Marx. started to persuade you into faith the...
10: started to get me there c.s lewis got me a little bit more in that direction and then i ran across an obscure thinker named cornelius van who oh, almost yeah. no one will have heard of that yeah. really kind of got to me into the deep yeah. knowledge questions. And that was instrumental in my conversion. So that's about age nineteen.
3: Interesting. So, now, were you in school at the time or were you working? Or how did that happen when you were 19? I,
10: I that's that's fascinating. I had graduated from high school barely. I was working a job as a manager at a movie theater. There was a local Presbyterian minister who rented the movie theater to show a Joni Erickson Tada movie nice. you know as an evangelistic outreach yeah. he came into my office i had a greek new testament open that i was reading not because i believed it but just because i was you know exploring so he's so what he did is he said okay i'm going to give you books and he just for like a year he was just giving me book after book after book he had a doctorate very well educated and so that really was what formed me theologically it. in reform kind of a and he book. was a
3: believer and he was trying to encourage you down the path a
10: pastor Yes, and challenging me and had exactly the kinds of answers that I needed, mm. that I didn't feel like I was getting. I didn't feel like the traditional apologetics was deep enough philosophically to really answer. Yeah. I wanted Christianity to be true, but I didn't want to pretend that it was true just because I wanted it. So I had to I have something that really answered it at a deep
2: level. Fabulous. So a movie theater, Joni Erickson Tata, That's and good. a pastor who was engaged.
3: I love that. Okay, so what do you like to read now, Jerry? So the, if those are the things that formed you, and I appreciate knowing that, what about the things that are forming you now?
10: I read a lot. I read a lot of biblical archaeology
3: because I'm trying. And okay. I read the
10: Bible a lot, and then I read his historical figures who are writing at, at the same time or about the same time that the Bible is is going on. Wow. So I'll be reading the gospels. And then I'll read what did Josephus say about this or what did Philo say mm-hmm. about it? So I'm reading a lot of, I'm not reading your typical like thought leader stuff that Christians do. Yeah. I, that stuff's great, but that's just not what I'm pulled to right now. I'm pulled to just a much you know greater level of detail. So I'm reading a lot of Greek and Hebrew grammar. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a lot of the, the Bible in the original languages. I'm not trying to like, Oh, I
6: read the Bible in the original language.
10: Just, you're at, you asked a question. That's yep. what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and kind of like deep in reading the rabbis who are writing in the first and second century to help understand the Jesus context. So I'm spending a lot of time in original languages and original sources, and also reading archaeological reports about what we know about that time so that I can, it's almost like I'm reading the Bible over and over and over again, and then I'm reading anything I can to help shine light on the on the Bible that I'm reading.
2: Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. Okay, so then you're reading something like that Josephus wrote that informs the Bible. There's the echo within that that goes straight to the heart of it all.
10: Right. So Jesus, when Jesus talks about, you know, when Jesus is on his way to the cross, and he says that this is what happened. Don't weep for me, you know, women of Jerusalem. If this is what happens when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? Mm -hmm. He's saying, so, you know, things are actually pretty good now and they're still killing me. What's, what's going to happen when things are really combustible? Well, Josephus tells us what happens over the next 40 years, how the wood gets drier and drier and drier, and it's more like kindling. And then in 66 AD, there's a debt revolt. Um, And then that basically sets into motion violence, and then their whole society is destroyed. And I'm, in some sense, almost obsessed with seeing our wood become dry, with seeing how much we're becoming like Kindle, Uh, because that's what happens when you're not connected to the vine, you dry, and we're not connected to the vine, and we're drying, and we're becoming like Kindling, not like Kindle, like Kindling, Um, and that can easily be set on fire. So it feels like this is the crisis of our age. Are we going to follow Jesus, all of him, not just the word Jesus, not just I believe in Jesus, I'm saying Jesus, and I'm going to beat you over the head, but actually follow the Jesus that we find in the gospels? Are we going to break down into these warring tribes? Jesus warned about that in the gospel accounts. And then Josephus just like he like picks up after Jesus's resurrection, and then kind of just. Lays out how that happens over the next generation. I see see that happening to us as well. And it's terrifying in some sense.
2: So then what you're doing here is very interesting. I'm sure it's not unique for a a certain subset of people, but this is something of your own creation. You have not gone to a source material and said, I'm going to go back and read these people. But for people who are listening now, who don't have that intellectual drive that you're doing, is there a thread, something that you know of that has those sort of it's like parallels? a study
3: plan or yeah. a reading plan, something.
10: Well, I would, I, you know, C.S. Lewis had a big influence on me. Um, and one of his famous essays is on the reading of old books.
14: Mm-hmm, and he says, too.
10: try to read two yes. old books for every, every new, new book. book yep. Yeah, and I tried to do that. Uh, so reading, so don't read about Plato, read Plato, mm-hmm. read Aristotle, don't read about Aristotle. Um, so I tried, so as much as possible, just force yourself to yep. read the old books. It'll get you out of your own generational headspace. In terms of people, however, who are new, I've, there's a couple of authors I find very helpful. One is N.T. Wright. Mm-hmm. I think I think Tom Wright has maybe more than anybody been able to, like, put the Gospels in historical context. Another is a Christian anthropologist named Rene Girard, who's not easy to read. But I think he he explains how we form tribes, how the tribes war with one another, how the war becomes a contagion and then leads to a scapegoat process where we all get, get, get together and kill somebody to try to restore peace. So he's explained
3: that more than well, anybody I don't know else, why you I- think that's applicable today.
10: Yeah, it's, it's, it's just amazing how much you read what gerard was writing even in the 50s and 60s and how much it's anticipating where we are now that's
2: fascinating hey jerry uh time's up but take a second and talk to us about the podcast meeting of the minds people want to engage you there what do they do
10: well meeting of minds podcast.com they can go there or just ty- you know type in jerry boyer meeting of minds and what they'll get is a lot like what they just got with the three of us very
2: good
3: Terrific. Well, we're happy to meet your mind today. Very good, Jerry. Always a great pleasure. Thanks so much. My pleasure.
2: Jerry Boyer, Meeting in the Minds podcast, as you just heard. Also, his new book is called The Maker versus the Takers What Jesus Really Said About Social Justice and Economics. You can find Jerry all over the web. He's on Facebook actively and Twitter as well. We'll take a break, come back.
11: Impact Mortgage Corp TV, a cash call mortgage, NMLS ID, 128231, equal housing lender, not licensed in all states, including New York. Offer based on loans over $250,000. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions.
5: What's better than a mortgage interest rate and APR in the twos? How about a no closing cost mortgage loan with an interest rate and APR in the twos? That's right. We have no closing cost loans here at Cash Call Mortgage. We pay the title, escrow and appraisal fees. So if you're looking to save a little cash on your monthly mortgage payment, call Cash Call Mortgage today. 800 931 6651. It's finally time
2: to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing and no processing fee through dollar bank want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office choose from 100 vinyl commercial aluminum wood and composite and how would you like to never clean your gutters again for a limited time get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through 123121. 21 all with 12 months no interest no processing fee and backed by the best warranty in the industry schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windows R
7: Christian travel is the best way to see God's creation, and Inspiration Cruises and Tours will provide unforgettable moments just for you. For more information, visit inspirationcruises.com or call 800-247-1899.
9: We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2. Breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com.
3: So happy to have uh, Jerry with us in the most of this hour. He's um, fascinating. He Isn't sure he? is. And he's, he's, I love him. He's been a terrific friend uh, to us for a long time. Um, and if you missed any of the first hour, please find our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just look for The Ride Home with John and Kathy. We're uh, on over 40 different platforms, so I'm sure you'll find it. And streaming now on YouTube. And streaming, exactly, at The Word Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so he talked about, uh, Jerry did, uh, when we asked about the the books that formed him and the books that are forming him, and um, a lot of that is um, tough sledding reading wise. And so when I look at the books that formed me, they're they're simpler than that.
2: Simple. Well, I don't know. Yeah, but but they are near to us because they are of us, yeah, right?
3: Right. And yeah. that, and so the, as as Jerry's talking about his list, I'm thinking about my list. Yeah. And you, as a listener, should be thinking about your list and yeah. don't feel you know, superior or inadequate or whatever it is, we just, we all read things yeah. that made us who we are.
2: Right. Well, I'll say this. I, I was raised by Catholic nuns. And in seventh grade, this young nun showed up. I
3: mean, Not that you didn't have parents. No, but, but I
2: mean, I was informed, I would say, sure, by yeah. Catholic nuns. In seventh grade, this young progressive Catholic nun showed up. And most of the year, she essentially had us read out loud or we read, you know, she read to us. She read two books that changed my life, Hmm. The Grapes of Wrath and Black Like Me.
3: Interesting. Yeah.
2: Which whenever I just was astounded in the thought process and in the storyline of both of those books, The Mm. Grapes of Wrath and Black Like Me. I had never considered that as a young kid growing up in Swissvale, what those lives were like. And truly, they went deep into my bones. Those two books were seminal in my life.
3: Mm. Wow. That's really interesting. Um. It's interesting that one of those books is fiction, because when most people talk about the books that formed them, they talk about nonfiction yep. books. But I also was mostly formed by fiction books. Hmm. The number one book that impacted me in my whole life is The Wrinkle in Time by oh, Madeline yeah, sure. L'Engle. And I, my dad bought it for me when I was in third grade. And I, if you've never read her or never read the book, it's hard to encapsulate it. And if I try to explain it to you, it's going to sound weird. But it's a science fiction book written for kids. But what it does is it, at least what it did for me, is it enlarged my imagination about what God's purpose for a person might be and what impact a very normal day could have on a universe.
2: A normal day. Just a normal day. A regular day. Could have on a
3: universe. And it tells it through fantastical creatures, through a Christian worldview to a kid.
2: That's fabulous, yeah, and it's a it's a very complex but a very simple read. I read it when I was in third grade, right? Yeah, but I, I read it. it again last year because
3: mm-hmm. it's it's that good. Very nice. All
2: right, we're going to step away for just a minute. Uh, how about etiquette? Is etiquette a thing anymore? Can a 1952 etiquette guide help us to entertain <laughs> and navigate today? You think That's I had ba- you
3: think I had bad manners at lunch? Mm, I don't know
2: white gloves and all that's next on the ride home
12: ask alexa to play the word pittsburgh to hear us there we're on your google speaker too plus iheart tune in and on odyssey 101.5 w-o-r-d-f-m pittsburgh
7: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. More than three dozen Republican senators opposed to marriage tax penalties in the Democrats' massive government overhaul.
0: Utah's Mitt Romney and 32 of his GOP Senate colleagues have signed a letter arguing against harmful penalties for married couples in the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill that's being pushed by Democrats and the White House. The Republican senators say the bill makes existing tax penalties worse. They tell the Senate Majority Leader that discouraging marriage is not in our country's best interest and sends the wrong message to our families. Greg Clibston, Washington.
7: Meanwhile, it's coming down to the wire for President Biden's economic and social package. In addition to trying to pass the plan, lawmakers facing a possible government shutdown, they need to approve new funding before midnight tonight. Stocks mix, the Dow is down 260 points, the Nasdaq ahead 56. This is SRN. This is John Hall
2: for Bible League International. Jaime is an itinerant pastor in Ecuador. He'll travel days by foot, boat, and mule. He's been beaten by warlocks, robbed of everything he's had, and suffered broken bones after falling 100 feet in the Andre Mountains. What awaits him at the end of each trip? A thriving congregation of hundreds of believers in an area where Christianity is fiercely opposed. When I share Jaime's story, I recall Isaiah 6-8, Whom shall I send? Who will go? I believe this man is admirably answering that call and enduring much as a pastor. And like others in the world where Bibles are desperately needed, Jaime is humbly asking us to send Bibles. Join Word FM and Bible League in sending God's Word to 5,000 believers in Latin America and around the world for only $5 or 20 for for 100 In a limited time, Matt's will double your gift. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or click The World Needs the Word banner at WordFM.com. Whoever
15: comes our way and is able to give us a Bible, it will be a great blessing. <sighs> 82% of you will also know that I, um, live with my mom. But the most important thing to note is that ZipRecruiter works. In fact, 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Will you be part of the 82% who remember where you can try ZipRecruiter for free? It's ZipRecruiter.com find. Again, that exclusive link is ZipRecruiter.com find. That's ZipRecruiter.com find. Hi, break time? I know you. I'm Coligard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. It seems like you take care of yourself.
9: I do. I
1: play tennis. I try to eat well.
15: What about screening for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. Colon cancer is more treatable when it's caught in early stages. Tell me more. Coligard is non-invasive and is used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? 92%? Yep, even those in early stages.
5: This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Coligard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer.
15: Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Coligard is right for you. Or visit requestcoligard.com. I'm on it. Excellent.
6: Clear skies expected for tonight will reach a nighttime low of 45. Plenty of sunshine for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 70. Patchy clouds tomorrow night with a low of 47. Saturday, we'll see a blend of sun and clouds. A beautiful start to the weekend will reach a high Saturday of 76. Sunday will be overcast with a couple of showers. We'll reach a high Sunday of 72. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
2: Welcome to another edition of The
0: Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem Pittsburgh studios. And now here
2: are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. During a uh, COVID lockdown, those uh, especially a few fraught months where we saw no one. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking a lot about entertaining, and not into itself is sort of a um, antique phrase, isn't yeah, it? I
3: was going to say right, entertaining
2: or entertaining. We're well, having guests. I
3: do a lot of entertaining. Right
2: now, I mean. It's good to have guests over, right? It's good to have friends over. And, you know, now you would say, we're not entertaining, we're just hanging out.
3: We're having people over.
2: Right. But there is, or at least was, a certain time in American history, a certain class of people who were involved in a structure, a stricture, I would say, mm. of proper etiquette mm-hmm. on the necessity and the rules Of how to entertain properly.
3: And they were of such influence that that filtered down to the average person.
2: Well, I remember watching like, you know, old black and white television shows, right? And seeing people, quote, entertain.
3: Like uh, Dick Van Dyke. Uh, Right. What was her? uh, Richie was the kid. Right. What was their name?
2: Uh, The Van Dykes? uh, Dick Van Dyke's family? Yeah. What was his name on there? Uh, The Petrie's.
3: Petri, That's right.
2: So the Petries would invite mm-hmm. Buddy and Sally over, And right. you know, they would play games, and they
3: would sing, right. And dance, and perform with the band in yeah. the living room. And I, you
2: would think, that and she would
3: make ribs. Yeah, the height of in sophistication. Her pedal pushers.
2: Or everybody would wear, you know, a
3: dress and heels, and the men were
2: wearing ties. Yeah, you know, everyone looked very debonair. They'd invite in the boss over. And so, as a kid, you'd think that's what it is to be an adult. Okay, so an old book, 1952, it was written. Amy Vanderbilt's Complete Book of Etiquette, and in it, it details the intricacies of what it was to entertain post-World War II America.
3: And we're we're talking about this because it's in today's Wall Street Journal.
2: It is. So what the Wall Street Journal has done is taken snippets of the original book, the reality of then, to an update for today. All right? So here, Rules for Hosts, and in the book, she says this. Provide a menu. Formal dinners are accompanied by a printed menu, writes Vanderbilt. Oh, my Quote, always in French, script, (laughs) or written in script-like handwriting. All right. The Post says, verdict, a home printer makes this simple to pull off, and a little theater is always fun. But French might come off as Trey Corny.
3: Can you imagine coming into, like... Someone's I'm going home. over to Christy's house and she gives me a menu which, when I walk in. Get...
2: Mm-hmm. Here's the menu. Burgers, <laughs> fries, right? Or just macadons. So Make a picture. Here's what the, here's what Amy Vanderbilt says: If a carefully planned meal is meant to be the evening's highlight, a host who fancies himself a mixologist might, quote, take away the emphasis on dinner and put it untastefully on what should be an incidental procedure. Mix only one kind of cocktail. The verdict... Says the post, the idea of a pre selected cocktail might annoy some guests, but the logic behind it has its merits. Mm -hmm. So everyone's having, you know, the same thing, martinis. Okay.
3: I don't make cocktails, so I I couldn't identify with that. I think it's much more fun to have different drinks for people. Of course. It just is. Right. I mean, you mix it up. If you want to have your Hawaiian punch when you come to my house and knock it out,
2: here's my favorite follow the leader. When the dinner is announced, quote, the hostess usually leads her women guests into the dining room, with the men following, the host bringing up the rear. The men step forward and hold chairs as the hostess indicates where each lady is to sit. Then, at her cue, the men seat themselves. The Wall Street Journal says, Even if you wish to resurrect this forgotten bit of dinner ritual in the name of social anthropology, your guests would need stage directions and a dress rehearsal to pull it off. Simple can also be elegant. Mm -hmm. That's like a little parade walking in, right?
3: It sounds like what cattle do when they're being moved from one pen into another. Well,
2: there's a flow. Uh, uh,
3: There is. There is. Now, here's, I'm not, I feel like I'm being dismissive of, I, I am. Being dismissive of because it, Because it feels it feels so forced. Ancient, however, I appreciate the fact that there is something about manners that is a good thing. I mean, when when William Wilberforce was you know beginning his campaign against slavery in the uh, in England, he it was also a revolution for manners because he felt like all of society that that their embrace of slavery was shown in many other areas that they had declined overall in every regard. And so as they rejected slavery, he believed they would also tend to embrace just gentility and gentleness in life, which included fairness to animals. A higher ideal. A higher ideal for all of their living. and And one thing, when you think about social media, it is profoundly rude.
2: Oh, it breaks my heart. I mean, the things that you read, people's comments about the simplest of things or yeah. you know, sometimes the most heinous. I read something yesterday that was so absolutely vile that I, I thought about it throughout the evening. It just— Was it, it on social? Yes, it was, about about a toddler and people's reactions to this. It just—we I we have so far gone beyond the norms of what what, you know— <laughs> polite society. I mean, it, it feels... I mean, even this conversation that we're having right now, I know people are rolling their eyes and thinking, come on, you two. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not espousing, We, you know, we, we march in a parade-like fashion to a dinner party and pull out chairs. No, we're,
3: because that's ridiculous. To me, it is.
2: But there is something about a higher ideal.
3: Yeah. There's something about cleaning ourselves up. Presenting and, ourselves. And acting like an adult.
2: And if we do it physically socially with each other in our minds i think we try to rise to the occasion as well we act as if we are actually better than ourselves
3: do you feel like the way people dress is an example of that
2: listen my sister or an outgrowth of it my sister was a yeah this is again an old my sister was a stewardess for allegheny airlines way back in the 1960s. And so when she first started to be a stewardess, of course, she was wearing a little pillbox hat and white gloves. And you
3: were a little kid watching that? Yeah,
2: and they had to measure, you know, from her kneecap to the hemline of the skirt. It was very, everything was very carefully plotted out. Well, she retired in the 80s, late 80s. And, you know, she bemoaned the fact that people are just, you know, bringing plastic bags on the airplane as their luggage. She saw sort of like, you know, the, the fall of society what we would ascribe to as polite society and where we are now and for better or worse and I'm sure there's a lot more better to it in some ways but there's also a lot of worse to it that we've lost our moorings in some way I don't know
3: Christy from your perspective you're 27 years old do you feel like people it have lo- crazy. do you feel like people have lost their moorings do you feel like they're impolite
4: um no unmannerly okay maybe I'm I just maybe growing up in with technology I, they've always just been that way for me so people have always been rude and kind of, I don't know,
3: dismissive.
2: Have you ever been to a dinner party?
3: N- no.
4: I don't think.
2: See, I, when I lived in New York City, uh, I was a bartender and would bartend at dinner parties. And again, it's a economic thing. People have, you know... Another status would gather together in gowns and tuxedos.
3: Really? In gowns and tuxedos? Yes.
2: And I would be, you know, the, the bartender in the living room mix mixing, you know, Tom Collins or martinis or, you know, whatever. And you would see that. And me, a blue-collar kid growing up in Swissville, I was amazed. I was in awe in some ways that I found myself in this setting. And it was like being in a museum. But I loved it so much. To sort of peel back this veneer and see people from a totally different perspective, you know, in an economic Okay, what class. did you see? What I saw, actually, more often than not, was great fun and humor. This was a different class of people. They didn't have the same worries that we did in Swissvale. They were talking about things that were far beyond me, that I appreciated. It was an it was. A peek into something that was...
3: So they didn't make you feel badly about you?
2: Uh, as a servant, there were people who would look down their nose at me. But, I mean, I was the bartender. So everyone's nice to the bartender. I was going to say, you're everybody's friend. Right? I just appreciate the idea of us finding... Whether it's me reading Black Like Me or being on in a penthouse on Park Avenue. In life, you will find yourself in certain situations that if you have the wherewithal... You're able to fit in and react yeah, in and, kind. And I think that's learn. really
8: important. Yeah.
3: Or learn how to. That's all. That's the whole point of it,
2: I believe. How do we find our way through life and do so with good grace and humor? That's all.
12: 101.5 W O R D
9: Do you love to cook or have a favorite recipe that's a winner? Then you need to enter your favorite recipe sweepstakes to submit that delicious recipe. The winning submission will receive a year's worth of meats from Good Ranchers. A $1,400 value. And a $1,000 Williams-Sonoma shopping spree. Increase your chances of winning by entering once per day and completing bonus entry options. So start
1: cooking.
6: Enter today at wordfm.com slash contests.
1: Hey.
11: mom
15: was
5: diagnosed with alzheimer's at 58 years old for me it was heart-wrenching it takes a toll on everyone i mean it's a depressing disease to watch unfold before your eyes
0: you just don't see the, the person's souls like gone
5: this disease just ravages a family
7: it changes your life
5: the magnitude of it is indescribable now is the moment to stop alzheimer's disease call bright focus at 855-345-6237
8: This Entertainment Answer brought to you by Exergen. What does creator David Applebaum say initiated the idea of his new TV series, La Brea?
9: The origin of the idea was really just an image of a sinkhole opening up in the middle of Los Angeles. From there, I just started asking so many questions about it. And once you start to ask all these questions, eventually you start building a world of characters and of mystery. And over a period of time, a story comes together.
8: La Brea on NBC. For more information, head over to TheEntertainmentAnswer.com.
3: Dan Darling is with us. We haven't talked to Dan in a while. Always happy to have him on the show. He's the author of several books, including The Dignity Revolution, The Characters of Christmas, and his latest book. I think it's his latest book, The Characters of Easter, The Villains, Heroes, Cowards, and Crooks Who Witnessed History's Biggest Miracle. Dan, good to have you. Welcome back.
13: It's great to be with you. I hope everything is going well in your part of the world.
3: It sure is. I mean, it's a beautiful, sunshiny day, Dan, and uh, we're happy to be here.
2: We sure are, Dan. Okay, so... uh... Like you, we follow along, uh, you know, look at um, media, whether it's uh, television or online. And I, I think some of us, you know, uh, follow along pundits that we sort of elevate to maybe not godlike status. You mean like but on social media? Yeah, right. I mean, whether it's, you know, social media or it's on the tube, right? Um, right.
3: So maybe it's an influencer or maybe it's a pastor or maybe it's a writer or an actor.
2: Yeah. And those people are important to us. Could be a politician. Right? So we look at those people and they think, these guys have the answers. And I'm going to follow along with these guys. But, you know, uh, more often than not, in the modern world, it doesn't sort of equate to what the um, the structures that we need that historically are important, Dan. And, and there is a, a big divide, right, between the, the sort of sweep of history and what is right and true then and now, as opposed to, you know, sort of the tweet that's important for us to know about. You right know what now. I'm saying?
13: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, what we have, uh, we're, we're in this digital age where it's so easy to um, to find content. And in many ways, that's good because, um, you know, we, we have access to really good content. You could stream sermons and read great articles. And, you know, you can uh, study the Bible online. You can do all kinds of things. You can connect with people in ways you never could before. But yet, also, uh, we're more prone to being shaped and formed sometimes by voices throughout the week that may, may or may not be healthy for us. And so I think one of the things we need to think about in this age is, you know, what is shaping and forming our hearts? Uh, When I was a kid, my parents, I think rightly uh, warned me about the way that pop culture can kind of corrupt our hearts. And as a parent, I'm sort of shielding my kid as much as I can from some of the, Worse of pop culture. But I also think we need to think, even as adults, about how uh, political content, opinion content, all that stuff that may or may not be good, how that also can corrupt our hearts a little bit and uh, shape and form us in ways that are at odds with uh, what what Christ wants to do with us.
3: Mm. I think it's a big challenge. I find it a challenge for myself, Dan, because there are certain voices, I mean, we're all like that. There are certain voices that we like, that we gravitate toward. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go for pastors right now. So, you know, some people absolutely love John MacArthur, right? And mm-hmm. whatever John MacArthur says, and you know, listen, if you're looking for a book, you should go look at the books that John MacArthur's publishing house puts out. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to find someone who absolutely loves everything the Pope writes and everything he talks about and his whole attitude and his more progressive outlook on uh, culture and faith. And then there are other people that are going to find, you know, a, uh, a Russell Moore that, that oh, that he, he's the guy that I really follow. and And I think that any of those people certainly have benefits and have done a lot of terrific things in life. Um, But if you only follow the one person or you decide that he's the one or she's the one that's going to be the arbiter of everything good. And if, well, if she likes it, then I like it. Or if he likes it, I like it. Then I I don't know. I feel like I'm always being sucked into some silo or some subgroup that's making me dislike the other groups.
13: Yeah, that's such a great point. I I think we need to have discernment, right? Um, where we we read, we listen to great podcasts. We, you know, look, I'm I'm someone who writes books, writes articles. So I want people to read those, and everyone else does. Um, but I think most of all, we should be formed and shaped first of all by the spiritual disciplines, by the word and prayer. Uh, but I think secondly, just by our local community, our local body of believers, and I think having community where uh, we um, we share the same um, uh, faith, who share the same beliefs about God, about the scriptures, but people come at things from a different perspective and they can be sharpened you know, a little bit that way uh, to where we don't make one or two voices the sole sort of uh, arbiter of what we believe. Even good voices, right? Yeah, Even sure. voices that are important. I think we need to be wise about that. Um, and really, you know, I think I'm, I'm actually more concerned about the way that we're we're slowly replacing spiritual content with, I think, cultural content, political content to where, you know, we might go to church once a week and hear a sermon, but five days a week we're getting catechized and shaped by, you know, uh, our favorite pundits on Facebook, our favorite political podcasts, and all those things can be really good. But I think we just have to be careful you know, uh, when I was a kid, my parents would always just tell, tell me, you know, what goes in your mind shapes you with garbage in, garbage out. And I think right. there's a spiritual principle in Romans that talks about us renewing our minds. And yeah. And I think we just really need to get back to that. Right.
2: Okay, so Dan... Then you, as a writer, a thinker, someone you know who's who got some some influence here. Who are you following along? Right? I mean, the th- the thing I think I find fascinating is that we all try to follow. You know, if you're so inclined, you try to follow a wide variety of voices, opinions, hopefully and you styles. Do. That's hopefully healthy you do. to try to do that. But the problem is, though, that you know now with you know the boogeyman in the corner, which is the algorithm, it pushes you into a little <laughs> bit of a box and keeps you away from things you would not necessarily find if you were so, you know, in the older days, intellectually stimulated to go out and reach for different voices. So are you able to break free of algorithms and sort of discover voices that you would not necessarily have found, you know, just, you know, out there searching? Well,
13: I I think we have to be intentional about, as you said, reading, listening to from a a wide variety of voices and and people that might challenge us. Um, I also think we, we need to just cultivate good community so that we have friendships And uh, conversations with people who are not listening to the same people we're listening to, or maybe aren't listening to anybody at all. Maybe they're not as um, engaged online. Maybe they're listening to other voices and we we can sort of have those back and forth that can sharpen us. Um, I I think it it gets very, um, I get very worried when we get into kind of these bubbles where we all on every single thing, and I'm not talking like, the core truths of the Christian faith. I'm talking about pragmatic issues like how do you educate your kids or what's your approach to COVID or, you know, some of these things where good people can have different approaches. I, I, I think it's really harmful if we are in bubbles where everybody sort of nods ahead and agrees with everything or, or if we're in, as um, Kathy said before, it's, it's if you're in these kind of subgroups where... You're, you're so identity, you're so purpose in hating on another group, right? Like, That's a bad sign. Like if, if you know, I, I think we do need to be discerning. We do need to worry about, you know, heresy and drift. But if every day we're getting up and we're thinking of other Christians that aren't doing it right, um, you know, maybe something's wrong with the way we're approaching uh, things, that, that we're being shaped and formed. To hate and despise uh, other Americans, other
3: Christians, even that division in the church is even. I don't. I don't know if it's worth. I'm not sure what's worse, um, because that division that that it has been developing over the last decade, uh, American versus American, is certainly something of great concern to me. But I think it's a deeper concern is the is the vitriol that Christians um, regularly approach other Christians with, and I just I don't get where I. I I guess I have a lot of ideas as to how that's formed in a person, but I, I guess I'm surprised at how we tolerate that with other Christians and how we've just come to see that as part of contemporary Christian life when I think that it should be called out wherever we see it, whether it's in our local churches, in our neighborhood. We can't—believers can't treat other believers like this.
13: I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm really grieved by the disunity. And what's really grievous is, for the most part, it's disunity, not over um, core issues of Christian orthodoxy that we can't budge on, but it's over secondary and tertiary things. We're good Christians, just come at it differently, and we're go, we're fighting like crazy over over these kinds of things. And I, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think number one is, as John mentioned, you know, we're we're in an age that incentivizes extremism and an, and incentivizes um, disunity and discord. Um, But as Christians, you know, we don't have to go with the spirit of the age. We can defy the spirit of the age. And one of the ways we can be countercultural is to be a unifying spirit across divides. And we can even do this online. I mean, we can be people who will commend various people, even if they don't agree with us. Or even when we have spirit of disagreement, which I think are important, um, can we not say, hey, listen— I strongly disagree with you on this. I, I live in a different place than you do, but I really value your opinion, and um, I'm thankful for this engagement. Or, you know, I, I don't, I don't see it the way you do, but I understand why you come at it from that perspective. Just that kind of spirit. You know, Romans tells us as much as possible, live at peace with all men. Yeah. Um, when you look at all the traits in the New Testament for spiritual maturity, whether it's the traits for spiritual leadership in the church or just the fruits of the Spirit and other places, they all mention the issues of temperament, of gentleness, kindness, not a brawler, not quarrelsome. Yeah, These are markers of spiritual maturity, and I think we've forgotten that.
2: I agree. And, you know, I, I, as you and Kath bring up this point, Dan, I, I think about this. You know, how many times have you been, you know, at church— and maybe there's you know a Wednesday evening meeting or you know before church on Sunday and there are different opinions that are traded or there might be even harsh words between each other but then when worship starts and this has happened to mm-hmm. me you know you know you disagree with someone and then all of a sudden you know you're in worship and you look across the aisle and you see that guy or you see that woman and mm-hmm. you think man you know this past week, uh, I was being unkind towards that person, and now I'm together under this umbrella of Christ. And, uh, all that gets wiped away. Hopefully, it does. Or, you know, someone's serving communion, and you think, "Here we are, all of us sharing the body of Christ." I mean, mm-hmm. would we go back to that and think about that and engage in that with a regular, you know, on a regular basis? That all of us are in the body of Christ. If the church can't get along, then what hope do we have for the world?
13: Right, and I and I think we need to elevate the pursuit of unity as something that's very important and not some kind of a nice side benefit. If it could happen when I read the new Testament, it seems to me that we should actively pursue it among brothers and sisters. And I think we each have to ask ourselves, I, I can't control the whole internet and I can't control the whole body of Christ, but as much as I can do in my world. So when I'm engaging online and I'm having back and forth disagreements, can I be the person that ends this well and says, um, Hey, listen. We disagree here, but man, I'm thankful for you and I'm grateful for you. Or even in our in-person conversation, like if you have a spirit of disagreement with a brother or sister in your church or your community about something that's important to both of you, can you can you come to a place where you say, um, "Man, I disagree with you. I don't I don't see it the way you do, but I love you and I value you as a brother and sister in Christ." I mean, this is this is the whole point that we come, as you said, we come on Sundays, and we worship God, and we share the cup and share the, the, the bread together, uh, not because we're, like, all the same, because we're so different. We come from different places, different backgrounds, different ideas, but we share this uh, love for Christ, and we share the fact that we're all sinners who uh, have been given this amazing gift of grace.
2: I'm into that. Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us here today. Take care, Dan. Thank you, both. Appreciate you and the work you guys do.
3: Yeah. We da- feel the same way about you, Dan. Mm-hmm.
2: Daniel Darling, host of, I'm sorry, author of The Dignity Revolution.
3: Maybe he could make it into a thing. He could host it.
8: May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel, and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus, and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him, and that's exactly why Bible League and Word FM have teamed up to send God's Word to 5,000 Bibleless believers around the world. Our campaign is called The World Needs the Word. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD 800 Y E S W O R D. 800-YES-WORD or give at WordFM.com
4: with today's technology, anyone can take a video. But getting it ready for prime time That's something many churches aren't equipped to handle. Here at Salem Video, we offer churches everything they need to go from rough cut to picture lock. With your raw footage, we can produce great looking videos for your social media, podcast, website, and even live service element. From text animation, visual effects, transitions, logos, music, and more, here's where we put it all together. What can Salem Video do for you? Ask GM Brad Marshall at 412-503-4770.
13: Hi, we're Katie and Ryland Weber, the founders of Convive Coffee.
5: For more than five years, the heart of Convive has been to serve our community by sharing life and great coffee together.
13: Sourcing beans from around the world, Convive Coffee samples and roasts right here in Pittsburgh.
5: Come visit your local Convive Cafe at Adams Shops in Mars, McCandless Crossing, and Butler Street in Lawrenceville. We hope to see you soon at Convive Coffee.
0: COVID vaccine alone will not fully protect you from the coronavirus. You also need to be vigilant. It is critical to take a reliable temperature reading with the Exergen Temporal Scanner. It's the only thermometer whose accuracy has been proven in more than 100 clinical studies. Vaccines may not be enough, and thermometer accuracy matters. Learn more at Exergen.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes
14: temperature. We
12: are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 W-O-R-D-F-M Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.
6: I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. It was very hard for me, but Ms. Araceli,
9: she gave me direction.
12: At age 47, Marco finished his high school diploma. 50%
9: of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work.
12: No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
6: Clear skies expected for tonight will reach a nighttime low of 45. Plenty of sunshine for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 70. Patchy clouds tomorrow night with a low of 47. Saturday, we'll see a blend of sun and clouds. A beautiful start to the weekend will reach a high Saturday of 76. Sunday will be overcast with a couple of showers. We'll reach a high Sunday of 72. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
3: This makes sense.
2: Does what make sense?
3: Garbage bags.
2: <laughs> yes.
3: Of course. What do you mean? Here's my frustration. We generate garbage. Yeah, a lot of it. And then we put it in a bag. Mm. And then we carry the bag downstairs. Mm. We carry the bag outside. And then we put the bag. In a can, yeah. and then the wonderful garbage men who've worked the entire time during COVID never Goodness. took any time off and never was, were able to stay at home and work. They come get it and they take the bag yep. and they put the bag in the truck with all the other garbage. Totally. So now we've added to the garbage. We've added more garbage because that's the garbage that's wrapped around the garbage. And so all of a sudden, last night, I was like, "Isn't there a simpler way? No. Could I, I feel like there should? I feel like we should have a shoot." or something. we we got a garbage chute? Shoot. Garbage chute? Shoot? Yeah.
2: Like the main garbage chute. Yeah.
3: No. Yeah. A garbage chute that- goes right from wherever we're generating our garbage and it goes out to a unit that gets emptied into the garbage truck and then we're saving all the bags. Right.
2: I always thought that the, gar- you know, if there was a garbage chute it would go like into a volcano. That would like burn up right away.
3: That's a great idea. I'm sure that wouldn't generate any uh, difficult gas for the human to deal with.
2: It's already a volcano and- Anyway, the garbage bag makes sense to me. Of course it does. What okay. are you gonna use? Like like put it out uh, in the okay. curb. So what like I'm saying? Garbage? Is
3: is in right now it makes sense, but ultimately it does make sense. It's it's more garbage. Okay. <laughs> I
2: don't know if that made sense. Alright, does this make sense? Chipped ham. What the heck is that is chipped ham? Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, it's a loaf. It's not like roast beef. It's a loaf. Now look, I've eaten one million chipped ham sandwiches in my life. And I like it. However, if you bring someone in from out of town who's out of Pittsburgh and you go, you want some chipped ham? They're going to go, what is this? It's weird. You know it's weird. And I had a friend who was in a meat processing plant. And she'd go, you do not want to know what's in chipped ham. So chipped ham, does that make sense? Because really, what is chipped ham?
3: I got to say no on that. Yeah. And it pains me. It pains me. Because I, too have had ten thousand chipped ham sandwiches. Yeah. But there is something seeing it in solid form, the pre chipped form Mm-mm. that makes you think that there's something nefarious going on in there. It's manufactured.
2: Of course it's manufactured. It's not
3: a natural product. No,
2: I mean no. Some part of the you know, cow or pig is not the chipped ham part.
3: And try to explain to someone who's not from Pittsburgh what a ham barbecue is. Yeah.
2: Garbage bags make sense. Of course, they do. No, I mean
3: ultimately they don't. Ship but we tank? have to have them right now. Kind of on the shelf. There. One hundred one point
14: five W
12: O R D Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music is here on the weekend
6: with the best new music. New, new music, come what may. New music from We Are Messengers. I
14: rest in the
6: arms of Jesus. Come what may. Relate from For King and Country. Can you, can you relate? Every morning, new from Pittsburgh's own Aaron Schutz. The best new new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers.
12: 101.5 WORD. On the weekend.
2: It's no secret that the Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh real estate market have exploded, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, For so long, it was easy to buy a house in our town. Really straightforward experience, but not so much anymore. Housing prices have really gone through the roof, and it's a seller's market. So, if you're looking to buy, United Faith Mortgage is a great tool in your toolbox. Their direct lender advantage really its everything. It gives you the necessary help and the best deal possible on a new mortgage. Plus, the family behind United Faith Mortgage, they're open about their faith, and it's evident in how they live and especially how they do business. Hundreds and hundreds of happy people Living in the dream house because of the excellence of United Faith Mortgage. Look online, United Faith Mortgage. It's a good family, doing the right thing. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. License number thirteen thirty. Department of Banking Mortgage Lender License Number two two six seven two.
11: Trip to Europe. Visit all thirty Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to your retirement blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of accurate solutions group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions plan today. So you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to your retirement blueprint with accurate solutions group investment advisory services offered through ASG investment management, LLC,
2: Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of my pillow wants to give back to our listeners you can get great discounts on all My Pillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the Radio Listener Specials. Get deep discounts on MyPillow mattress toppers, towels, and so much more. For example, Mike is offering a buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials For the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. For these great specials, that's 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD.
14: For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com.
2: High school was it a good time for you? Did you like high
3: school? Yeah, I liked high school.
2: Were you a good student?
3: Um, I was an okay. I think I was an okay student.
2: Well, no, you weren't. You weren't a C student, were you? No, you were better than that.
3: Yeah, but that doesn't mean I was a good student. Okay, All right. I was not trying hard. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
2: yeah, because you you're having a good time. Because mm-hmm. you enjoyed yourself. Mm-hmm. Right, high school.
3: What about you? I loved
2: high school. Did you? I laughed a lot. And I just, I mean, I'm telling you, I just barely graduated. I was happy to hear Jerry Boyer say that earlier in the show.
3: Yeah, so Jerry Boyer was with us in the 4 o'clock hour. If you missed any made part of it, about that. please find our podcast, The Right Home with John and Kathy, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on, I don't know, a 40-plus platform. You have you find it.
2: I could have cared less.
3: Jerry barely graduated from high school. Also. Made
2: me feel great. Jerry Boyer, I was like, I could have cared less. I mean, more often than not, I skipped. Christy, what kind of student were you in high school?
4: I was an okay student. Okay Mm -hmm.
2: student, did you like did you like the the classes?
4: Uh, If I paid attention.
3: Ah, there we
2: are. Mm, But she didn't.
3: You can tell just by the way she said it. She didn't. Okay, now let me say this. I don't mean to skip ahead, Mm -hmm. but I was a much worse student in college. Oh, what? Mm -hmm. I was a terrible student in college. When you ask, if you would ask me, like, hey, Kath, what are your life regrets? That would be at the top of my list. Get out. Top of my list is how I squandered college. I was a terrible college student. What are you doing here? What happened? Trying to redeem myself. No,
2: I mean, I, I would say that, you know, from outward, you're a very good student. I became I see-
3: a good student after I finished college. I was a terrible student in college.
2: Huh. Well, I loved college. I loved college.
3: <laughs> Didn't John just have a charmed life? No. I neck. mean, I, I went to school
2: for theater. Good. I mean, I I laughed. I played, I created. I loved it. It wasn't until I got to New York City where I learned the business of show business. And then I was like someone slapping me in the face. Oh daily. Oh, okay. And repeatedly. I better figure this out. How does this work?
4: College, Christy. I loved college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Way more than high school. I would I would go back to college in if a heartbeat. I, yeah, if I had the money. Oh yeah. High school. Nah.
7: Yeah.
3: Okay. High school
2: was very complex. A lot of wasn't there a lot of weird pressure in high school? Like if you if you were yeah, like yeah, there's one of the a smart lot of weird kids.
3: pressure in college too, though. I it's was, different though.
2: But I always felt bad for like the super smart kids in high school because they always seemed like I know it. You know, they were carrying the weight you think, of the world. You think on of their who
3: shoulders. the valedictor? Did they have valedictorians when you graduated? Yeah. From- okay, so they don't have valedictorians anymore. What? Oh, good god! Right, golly. so there's no valedictorian. Um, Mark, but in your each one of smart. us has in our head our valedictorian or like the top three, or however you did it in your high school, and you at least I I bet all of us in some way, shape, or form pitied them.
2: Well, but you know what? There are valedictorians I'm sure listening right now going, "You guys are crazy! We had a blast!" I'm sure, right?
3: I. But I, I would say
2: generally the burden of being the smartest people in the class it's a lot to bear. Yeah. Okay, I saw this piece today at uh, Study Finds, which is a place we go to often. School success often leads to vicious cycles of perfectionism and depression, right? Many high school students feel unyielding pressure to succeed academically. This leads to a constant pursuit of educational perfection that inevitably leads to anxiety and full-blown depression in many cases, according to a study. A fight that feels like a never-ending scholarly battle just to prove that they are good enough. Mm, How about your horrible. kids? Did you put pressure on your kids in high school? I, um, or, or was, I that was self-made.
3: Well, I think some of it with my kids was self-made, but we were my husband and I were really intentional about talking to our kids about the value of learning because I think I I was so intentional because I felt like I had squandered so much of my learning yeah. my 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 classrooms time that I just didn't want them to do that. So I don't think we ever really cared what the grade letter was, but I very much cared, and my husband really cared about how they were learning. The mechanics. How they approached learning. Yeah,
2: I, I think that's a good point. I think that's probably, my failures help their successes.
3: Yes, that's it's, it's for sure the case with me. Yeah. And we would have missed out on that if I would have pretended that it wasn't like that. Right. You know, if I would have acted like, oh, no, I was a great student. No, seriously, I was really good in college. I never tried to do that because why? And it really ended up benefiting my kids.
2: Okay, listen to this. This study that we just talked about. Study authors tracked 604 Canadian teens from 7th to 12th grade and looked to examine both relationship and typical sequence of events between academic achievement and perfectionism. Reachers, researchers define perfectionism as a maladaptive personality style involving self-imposed high standards that have a link to the development of anxiety and depression.
3: Okay, I have bad news for you. What? I feel like, I don't know Christy well enough yet, but you and I suffer from that now. Well, I,
2: you, you want to establish a high bar for yourself.
3: Right. So even if you had a good time in high school, and I had a good time in high school, and you loved college, and I was just a horrible student, but we have ended up in that place as adults.
2: Because you what you judge yourself by your peers, yeah. and you think, wait a second, that guy, and that, they're yes. doing, and what are we?
3: Look at the two people we had on the show today. We had Jerry Boyer on the show today. We had Dan Darling on the show today both of them are incredibly prolific in what they write, what they read, and what they produce. And every time I talk to the two of them, I'm like, I don't do anything. Okay. They're so well read. They're so that what they write is so helpful, but I'm useless. You, I always think that. You think you're would you no? Be... No, if you say Kathy, are you useless? I know enough to say, well, of course I'm not well, useless. No, right. But the, at, in the moment when I'm talking to these two guests that we had on the show today, who we who we deeply appreciate, I them. always feel inadequate to both of them.
2: Would you rather be happy or smart? <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather be happy or smart?
3: Well, I can't. You can't be both. Is that no. is that what, what... The, is that what study finds us no, telling us? So no, this article is saying you can't be both. No,
2: they're just saying the anxiety that you know is in a young person to be the smartest or to be the you know the best devolves into a perfectionist attitude which colors a lot of people's lives and a lot of people who are really really at a high achievement level Despise themselves mm-hmm. later on in life yeah. because they haven't risen to a right. standard, and no matter what they do, it's never good it's enough. Never good enough. Whether it's informed from outside sources right. like your parents or the burden that you have created for yourself,
3: yeah, or the people you follow on Twitter or the friends that you those have, those coconuts. Or the, you know what I mean? That's just the way it is.
2: Twitter coconut. I mean, seriously. Do you care what those people on Twitter... Do you no.
3: care about those people? No, pe- but look at the people we follow on Twitter that we really respect. Those are the people I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the yahoos. Yeah, but you know what?
2: What I take from Twitter is how much I laugh on Twitter.
3: Well, that's good. Right? I mean, the That's, uh, that- that's not the first thing I think of when I, I do, think of Twitter. I do. Okay, good. I think about people. Okay, the Christy, angry people and the Chris, funny people. Okay, what do you think of on
4: Twitter? Like, what do I think of the people on no, do
3: No. Do you go on – like, when you think of Twitter, do you think, oh, my gosh, I love to go there because I laugh or because I learn things? Or why do you go to Twitter? And I go to Twitter for sports news. Hey. Okay. So that's where you get your news. Yeah. Okay. So the people you follow, do you follow them because you like their personality or do you follow them just because you get information from them?
4: Some people, I like their personality. Some of them are funny. Some of them are like, yeah, I just follow you for your Pittsburgh sports knowledge.
3: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: So you don't go to Twitter to because that
3: person makes me laugh every time.
4: I mean, like, I have a follower that, like, I always get the notifications yeah. because they always post funny things. Okay. So that's, like, the only follower, but right. no. Ed Wiley. Ed, oh, yeah. I don't even know
3: Ed. I don't except do I do any
2: notifications. My None.
3: That's good. I don't that's want
2: good. that stuff cluttering me up.
3: That's why you don't know when I text you. No, I'm right. kidding. I don't. Was- I really
2: don't. I, I just happen to, oh, look, there's something. Mm-hmm notifications whenever they, they they ask for that
3: remember when notifications first started i don't want any and i i was i remember when they came i don't remember what year this was but i remember when notifications started thinking well this is terrific nope. because you can really stay on top of things and then it was like
2: a tsunami you
3: were just like staring <laughs> at your you phone breathe. in horror like how can all these things be happening at one time
2: <laughs> and then what did you do
3: i turned off all my notifications please
2: that only makes sense Oh, that's horrible. It's too much to bear. So you don't have any notifications None. at all. Nothing. None. Every time I sign up, nothing. I don't no. want to know about. It. I'll go find it if I need it. That's good. Don't tell me about do it. Do you do
4: notifications? Not on every app, but a lot. Oh yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. I got to know where my Amazon packages are. <sighs> so you don't do that.
2: Nope. Like you don't say nope. like Am-
3: Amazon. Like you, we just delivered your package to nope. the front door.
2: Nope. You know how I find out? Huh? I look outside. I mean. It'll, I'll find out sooner or later if I need because, to know
3: because you because this was too much. It's too much. It's like this:
2: Would I rather pick up a newspaper and choose to read it whenever I had the time and find the information that I thought was interesting, or have this one after another, this tsunami of ninety-five okay. percent of it's useless? Okay, to okay. Me. what
3: if one of your kids calls you? Fine, but what? you're you're not. You're just going to find out when your no, voicemail no, shows no, up. I, or? I, I he's
2: flagged. Those oh. boys are flagged. Oh, okay.
3: Oh, but we're not flagged. I see how I it is.
2: <laughs> They're full, I mean,
3: yeah. Okay, so if it's one of your kids or your 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 wife, My wife you'll or my know. kids. That's you'll it. Know. That's that, Otherwise, that, that's it.
2: Nope. If I happen to look at my it's bold. It's not bold. Atlanta's it's just bold. common sense. It,
3: I mean, I don't have a lot of notifications, but I have some.
2: Nope. No. If it's going to happen, it's I'd like happen. to
3: know the injury report before a game. I don't care game. about that. I like to You don't care about the injury report before nope. a game? Mm-mm. I'm going like to sit down and watch that. the game. That's okay. all. And you're going to be surprised. You're going to say, oh, Whatever. Malkin's out for two months, and I didn't Listen, know because I turned off my notifications.
2: There were not notifications in 1968 in Swissvale. Why did they have to be in, in 2021 all right. here in, in Green Tree? All right, fine. I'm sorry. If I, that, Does not, that make good. me seem like an old guy?
3: No, it's not, you're not an old guy. I, no, I'm an old guy. I, I kind of respect it.
2: No. I just
3: but I, but It's I, too much. Too
2: much information. Okay. Too much to process.
3: All right.
2: Perfectionism right
3: be careful of it don't
2: feel bad about yourself because you're more than good enough mm-hmm. okay we'll step away uh, what are we coming up against
3: International today? Podcast Day oh That's again nice. yeah.
2: there's more more stuff I don't need to know it's just too much turn it off
5: if you're in HR you're probably wearing a lot of hats recruiter team builder trainer mediator policy maker and of course paper pusher Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you, so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com/hr. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com/hr. That's BambooHR.com/hr. Mike Lindell, the
2: inventor and CEO of My Pillow, wants to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all My Pillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on MyPillow mattress toppers, towels, and so much more. For example, Mike is offering a buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. For these great specials, that's 800-391-0954. Use promo code
8: WORD.
14: For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com.
8: This is Pastor Tom Hall of First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh. Maybe you've missed church because of the pandemic. Maybe it's been years since you've come, or maybe you've never darkened a church door. But maybe it's time to discover God's love, God's truth, God's purpose for your life. Join us at First Presbyterian Church, 326th Avenue, downtown Pittsburgh. Sunday mornings at 1045 or online at fpcp.org. You are welcome here.
7: Nobody should have to pay for one-size-fits-all insurance coverage. Liberty Mutual customizes your car and home insurance so you only pay for what you need.
14: Liberty, 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 Liberty.
0: Factory default passwords for computers, tablets, and smartphones may expose your devices to hackers. So create your own passwords with at least eight characters. Containing a combination of upper and lowercase letters, numbers, and symbols. For added security, consider using password management services, which are often available for free. A public service message from the Consumer Electronics Association.
3: Happy International Podcast Day! Do you listen to podcasts. What it is? I sure do. Um, I love podcasts, and so I've got a list of the top 50 podcasts oh from uh, the second quarter of 2021. Um, do you listen to podcasts? No.
2: <laughs> Generally not. No. I mean, I listen to 99% Invisible.
3: Okay. Which is a terrific Roman Mars podcast. But not
2: really. Okay. Uh, when I've got free time, um, like it, like making dinner, yeah, I listen to music.
3: Okay.
2: And then that's kind of like a podcast time, you know. Uh, yeah. But I'm driving in the car. You I'm, don't. I'm listening to music.
4: Christy. All the time.
3: Yeah, All the time. Me too. All the time. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you the top 10 most listened podcasts second quarter of this okay. year. See if you listen to any of those. Right. Um, number 10, Ben Shapiro Show. Nine, Serial. Eight, Office Ladies. Seven, Pod Save America. Six, My Favorite Murder. Five, Stuff You Should Know. Four, This American Life. Three, Crime Junkie. Two, The Daily. And number one... Joe Rogan. Mm.
4: Um, Do you listen to any of those, Christy? I listen to three of those.
3: Okay. Which ones do you listen to?
4: Ben Shapiro, Office Ladies, and Serial. What's Office Ladies? Um, The Office. It's Jenna Fisher. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. Of course. Right, right, right. Oh, how is that? Oh, it's great. And what about Serial? They have different stories of, like, crime. True crime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got it.
3: Okay.
2: When do you listen?
4: Sometimes in the car, sometimes while I'm here at work, or um, before bed. Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: What about you? Um, Top ten?
4: Uh, I listen to
3: Joe Rogan, and I listen to Stuff You Should Know, um, which are both awesome. Um, I also have absolutely loved The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which is a a Christianity Today podcast, which they've done such a good job of. And I really, really love um, uh, Gangster Capitalism. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's also you can disagree with the subject matter you can I mean that that's up to you but just as far as the production values and how the stories are told I think it's really really great um, okay top 50 podcasts I'll just just highlight just a couple of them um, the uh, let's see uh the NPR Politics podcast is in the top fifty. The Mark Levin show is in the top fifty. Um, Rush Limbaugh's timeless wisdom, The Breakfast Club, The Moth, which you know, along By the uh, Moth has yes, been around, sure. right? Um, Rachel Maddow, uh, Freakonomics podcast, Bill Simmons, um, Michelle Obama. Um, so a lot of these are personality driven. Um, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Uh, Dan Bongino, Dave Ramsey. Uh, I already said Ben Shapiro. Um, wait, there was another one up there. Mm, I was looking for an... Uh, oh, Dak Shepard. That's the one I was looking for. Dak Shepard. Yeah. His uh, podcast was number 18 for the quarter. That's a good one, too. Yeah. I've never listened to that. I like him, but I've never listened it's to it. It's good. Him. Is it? Yeah. Anyway, but check out our podcast, would you? Uh, we're not in the top 50, uh, but we'd love to have you join us. So um, whatever your platform is, find the ride home with Johnny Kathy. Have yourself a great night this week.
7: The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group